Good morning, afternoon, or evening to our listeners who have tuned in for our 10th episode of The Artful Nutmeg. Today's episode covers the 50 plus 1 rule, which is the basis of club ownership in Germany's Bundesliga. While most clubs around the world have a single owner in the form of eccentric billionaires, Saudi royalty, or massive corporations, there's, there are examples of clubs that are partially or majority owned by the public. Today we will talk about clubs that are fan-owned or influenced by prominent supporters' trust. I am one of your hosts, Tom Ferguson, and with me is our other host, Daniel Wise. Daniel, how's it going? Um, I was having a conversation with my wife the other day, and uh, we had an awful realization. But anyway, so like the the background to it is she's a big Taylor Swift fan, and uh, I think she's up around New York. Uh, now with her tour and apparently uh, Aaron Rodgers was at her show and I'm, she was like oh I didn't know you know he was a Swifty and whatnot and I was like oh yeah that's that's cool I guess kind of kind of a weirdo kind of a you know kind of one of those dudes uh, he seems like one know, of those guys he's one of those guys I mean I used to like him until kind of the the COVID uh you know uh yeah oh yeah (laughs) uh situation about that and then he kind of he went from himbo to um just kind of problematic to me in in about two seconds there so i was like yeah you know kind of weird whatever blah blah blah. but then i was like well i can't really like pass judgment because um the Former terrorist and current dead guy Osama bin Laden uh, was a noted Arsenal supporter. So, like, this is true. I bring I, it up all the time. <laughs> I cannot really like pass judgment on that. Uh, it, it's worse enough having Pierce Mor- Morgan, but it's also Osama bin Laden. You and also so, have the Queen. Yeah, but I'll take. I'll it may take have been the Queen. worse. She may I'll have been worse. The, <laughs> Depend. You look. I am. I am not part of the English. I am not on that aisle. She doesn't rule over me. I. I really don't have a super strong opinion uh, on that. But uh, <laughs> anyways, Adrian pauses for a second. She's like, "You're breaking my brain right now." I'm like, "Wait, what do you mean?" And she's like, "I. I can't process." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" And she's like, "The fact that like." Someone that evil could like something. <laughs> That's I'm such a good like, point. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it it's it's really funny because then I was like, yeah, did you know Hitler liked dogs and made art, and we were just kind of like, no. I think the, so, the craziest thing about Osama bin Laden was that he, when they obviously like raided, you know, killed him, and then they went through uh, all his stuff, they found a bunch of taped episodes of The Office. <laughs> Yeah, I the, the, terrorists. They're just like us. Oh God. <laughs> um. So that's that was kind of my weird moment of the week and and thing I wanted to get, just kind of talk. Who who like? I mean, do do you know of any problematic people who love Manchester United? Oh, I'm sure there are a few. Um, I tend to only focus on the good ones. You know, Usain okay. Bolt is a big one. Um, okay, obviously yep. Drake likes everybody. Um, I've literally <laughs> seen him in everyone's jersey. It's yeah, 
it's honestly infuriating. Like, pick a side. Um, in terms of bad people, I'm sure there's a few. I'm yeah, yeah. not off the top of my head, but I'm sure we've got a few. The pro- probably the leader of the Wagner group, probably. Yeah, like exactly. Manchester United. So, well, <laughs> Elon Musk, maybe. Like, Elon, I, I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah, when he was at the World Cup, was he was he paying mind to you know? He yeah. wanted to buy us at one point. Um, and didn't oh, do it in the funny. end. But Trump yeah. wanted to buy Rangers at one point. I think. I think that was one I'm of so the. Okay with that? That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was Rangers or Newcastle. It was one of those. I, I'd have to look that up. But there was a period where he wanted to buy a football club, and um, yeah. Um, anyways, <laughs> that is completely beside the point. I I wanted to just yeah, share this, that. But, this is not our um, this is not our today topic. <laughs> this is not our topic. But uh, yeah. So like we kind of uh, alluded to last week, we wanted to sort of dive into um fan owned or majority owned clubs, and with that comes the uh fifty plus one rule. Uh, so this, uh, comes from the Bundesliga website, um, kind of talking about what the 50 plus one rule is. And it starts with a quote, uh, saying the German spectator traditionally has close ties with his club. Borussia Dortmund CEO Hans Joachim, uh, Watzke said in, uh, 2016, if he gets the feeling, uh, that he's no longer regarded as a fan, but instead as a customer will have a problem. The 50-plus-1 rule uh, guards against this. The name of the rule uh, refers to the need for members of a club to hold 50% plus one more vote of voting rights, i.e. a majority. In short, it means the clubs uh, and, by extension, the fans have the ultimate say in how they are run. Not as an outside, uh, Not an outside influence or investor. Uh, under German Football League rules, uh, football clubs will not be allowed to play in the Bundesliga or second division if outside investors have the greatest say. In essence, this means the private or commercial investors cannot take over clubs and potentially push through measures that prioritize profit over the wishes of supporters. The ruling simultaneously protects and uh, protects against reckless owners and safeguards the democratic customs of German clubs, which, you know, sort of with that line uh, comes to show really what happened with Chelsea this right. season uh, with Bowley coming in and saying one thing that, you know, they're they're going to take a measured approach and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, take take their time, make wise investments and uh, think long term for the club. Which obviously this year, like the absolute opposite, happen. they spent 108 million on a player who has 12 goals in his career. That's 12 goals in his career. <laughs> and man, I mean, it's it's, shocking. Yeah, and, and you know, I, my wife and I, we've been sort of running through uh, the war for football. It's that uh, documentary on Apple. Uh, TV plus where they talk about um, kind of those those three days where the European Super League was really sort of semi formed or, you know, it was announced and then, you know, quickly sort of rescinded when there was kind of that global backlash to it. And in, in a way, that's sort of what that statement lines up with is that, 
football is really kind of a fan's game. It's it started with, you know, working class people uh, forming teams that were, were often, you know, sort of associated with either their, you know, company or outfit or whatever. Uh, they it really started as kind of like this grassroots thing. And the way it's become so corporatized uh, is is super wild. And yeah, it's it's great that Germany has this rule. Um, but yeah, could you imagine if if the Premier League had that? I mean, what what do you think it would be like? I mean, do you think it would be a lot more even in terms of sort of competition, or would it be like one fan base just like outgrows the other? I you know I think you would see it. I don't know. So I think you would see it. How? Uh, so so it's interesting that we talk about the Bundesliga this week um, because it is coming down to their final week and uh, potentially uh, Bayern Munich could not or might not be the champion at the end of this year. It could fall to uh, Borussia Dortmund. Whoa, hey, hi. Um... This is Dan just chiming in for a hot second this in the future. And uh, it turns out that Borussia Dortmund absolutely choked against Mines, uh, and and Bayern Munich had a crazy comeback against Köln. And really, uh, yeah, uh, B- Bayern Munich is celebrating their 11th straight Bundesliga title. A crazy goal from Jamal Musalia, and just uh, he's the new Aguero. So Bayern got away with it again. Dortmund is crying. I don't know how to process this. This is, was actually kind of a crazy, you know, decision Saturday in the Bundesliga. Uh, so if you ever get the chance to uh, catch a replay or highlights of those two games, um, it's it's absolutely insane. Um, so yeah, this is uh, just wild. So anyways, back to the show. And what's wild is that it has been a full decade, uh, or, or no, I think, yeah, full decade that Bayern Munich has won the Bundesliga. That's insane. So like, why has... You know, in a league where, you know, fan controlled percentages in terms of ownership, why has there been so much dominance for Bayern? It could possibly compared to other clubs. You know, I it might just be the fact that like, you know, uh, just just sort of like cities, you know, you, you when you have metropolitan areas as opposed to uh, more rural or, or less populated areas think you're just going to have that effect where yeah like yes there is a right. 50 plus one rule but uh there there's just more money in those metropolitan spaces and i don't know so would you have uh sort of a case of you know a a lesser city if if they didn't have that right. uh billionaire owner come in and completely turn that club around uh, would you have had that story? I mean, uh, for me as an Arsenal uh, supporter, like that year, in it, you know, by all means, should have been Arsenal's year. But 
you had a team come in with a lot of money and and basically build up a squad that allowed them uh, to climb faster than normal. It's what you see with Wrexham right now, a team that uh, has a lot of money now, and it's going to start making that climb. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we also did talk about Luton Town, and they are headed to the Prem. So, uh, you know... Well, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Hopefully, when this comes out, we'll we'll it'll be confirmed. Hopefully, but yeah. they've got one left. Uh, so so you know they're either you know on that doorstep, or they may be heading their next seasons. Hi, uh, future Dan is back again with an update on the Luton Town and Coventry City game. Uh, Luton Town is going to the Prem. They had a crazy 1-1 draw that went the distance into extra time, into penalties, and Luton made it. Lots of drama. Tom Lockyer passed out in in the first half of the game. Uh, There was just lots of drama. Pretty crazy. Anyways, that's what's happened, and I'm out. But I think it's just important that they are keeping it in terms of the culture, uh, keeping it within the hands of fans. And I think we'll, we'll sort of talk about a club later on the, in the show where it was, it was very much stolen uh, from the fans. Um, but continuing on, historically, German teams were not-for-profit organizations run by members' associations. And until 1998, private ownership of any kind was prohibited. The 50 plus one rule, which introduced that year, uh, helps uh, explain why debts, wages and uh, are under control and why ticket prices remain so low compared to other major leagues in Europe. Using the concrete Mm. example of Bayern Munich, the shareholder of the uh, men's first team uh, are the members club uh, FC Bayern Munich EV, 75 percent, Adidas, 8.3 percent, Allianz, 8.3% 8.3% and Audi 8.3%. Bayer Leverkusen and Wolfsburg are two special cases in the Bundesliga based on the fact that the investors who have had an interest in a club for more than 20 years can be granted an exemption from the 50 plus 1 rule. Leverkusen was founded in 1904 by employees of German pharmaceutical company Bayer, which was based in the city. Affiliated with the local auto works, meanwhile, VFL Wolfsburg was founded in 1945, just seven years after the city itself was created to house Volkswagen workers uh, busy assembling the famous Beetle or People's Car. Those two clubs have always been owned by their respective companies, long before their arrivals in the Bundesliga, and are therefore exempt, not that all fan groups uh, agree with that rule. Uh, the rule has been criticized by an, on a number of occasions. One of the world's most vocal opponents is Hanover 96 President Martin Kind, who uh, argued that the rule could be in breach of EU competition law. In 2009, Hanover put forward a motion to charge the, change the 50 plus 1 rule, but this was overwhelmingly rejected, with 32 out of 36 clubs voting against the proposal. The effectiveness wow. of the rule was also brought into question following the rise of RB Leipzig. Although it is theoretically possible to become a voting member of the association, RB Leipzig reserves the right to reject any membership application without citation or without citing a reason. As a result, RB Leipzig uh, has only a handful of members, 
most uh, of whom are Red Bull uh, agents. Critics have also noted that the annual membership membership fee is relatively expensive compared to other clubs. And if you want to kind of get into that, uh, we have a, a, a sort of a explainer about how Red Bull is able to solely own or have a majority ownership uh, for that club. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, it makes me think about like sort of how that does to especially like European competition. How does that hinder clubs? I mean, obviously at Bayern Munich. Whoever year is we're gonna we gotta win everything. I mean they mm-hmm. fired their coach, they fired Nagelsman because they're like, we're not winning the league by enough. You know? Yeah. Um and but it makes me think about the other teams that are in that that, you know, get Europa spots, get uh the Champions League spot, get conference league spots. You know, what kind of how do they match up to other competition when they're going against teams that are not fan owned. Right. Well, I mean, so that is therein lies sort of like, you know, how that all works, because it is, you know, in a, in a sense, it's supposed to I suppose the idea is to create kind of like an uh, kind of like a parity or equity within the league. Um, but you know, you you do have Bayern that has been so dominant for years and even going into uh, Champions League, like they are kind of set apart. Like they are up there with Real Madrid, with Barcelona, with Manchester United. And, you know, when you have the other, uh, you know, Bundesliga clubs that go in, you know, they they do well enough, but they just, they can't hang when when it comes to, going up against the bigger teams. So, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's really funny. Uh, that is something where I'm sure someone has really dove into uh, that type of research. And and so, yeah, if I ever find that, you know, with, with how, uh, and I'm sure there's probably, someone's written a book about it, but anyone who's written about how Bayern has, has become so dominant uh, you know, in, in part of this last decade, you know, I, I think that would be yeah a pretty f- worthwhile read. Um, I would say, you know, one of the things is like, I, I think in terms of Germany as a whole, like their structure uh, is is healthy and sustainable because what they do is is they put coaches through super rigorous like steps. Like, you know, when they start out, like they start at kind of like a it's it's very much like your uh UEFA, you know, super licensed steps, but they almost, you know, have kind of like a coach academy type of approach where they they really sort of foster coaches up through a system and then and then, you know, kind of uh yeah, uh breed them for for kind of like that top level uh success. So, yeah, I you know, it's it's really it's really uh, strange, like how that kind of works in relation to the rest of European football. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say, yeah, that's, I mean, it's so interesting to see them compared to other leagues, but let's, of course, get back to RB Leipzig and basically how they kind of skirted that 50 plus one rule. So back in 2010, Red Bull, we all know Red Bull. Mm-hmm. We've all drank it. If you haven't, you, 
you're not missing much. Um, Red Bull bought out fifth tier side SSV Markenstadt and rebranded it as RB Leipzig. Leipzig was able to skirt Germany's 50 plus one rule. Obviously, this means that club members must control 50% and an additional one share in the club. By making the path to own a share of Leipzig very hard, there are 17 members of the club, all of which are employees of Red Bull. It's very expensive. It's around $1,100 to hold a supporting role compared to Dortmund's 67. And, of course, applications to hold a Leipzig share can be struck down without any reason. Although unpopular and controversial, Red Bull's immorality strengthened their grip on the club and helped set up a single unified vision of it. And and this is very much like it is sort of like a Wrexham deal where they I mean, they were like a fifth tier club. I want to. Is that what was that included? Or yeah, they were fifth. Yeah, tier. Wrexham was fifth tier. It, it, but so, yes, very much, you know, kind of like a, a, a dual, you know, or a similarity there is that, yeah, these these clubs that, you know, were were floundering. And then, you know, these super rich buyers come in and they suddenly start like just making the climb. And that's exactly what RB Leipzig did. They made the climb from fifth tier to Bundesliga pretty much like every year in succession, they saw promotion. So uh, it's it's really um, wild, you know, and so like that's that's yeah. sort of the type of thing you can see and kind of going back to your question earlier about whether or not, you know, sort of like that corporate buy in, you know, is is healthy or helpful. I'm sure, you know, for those communities, it's it's helpful in probably an economic sense um overall but in terms of like competition you know uh, we're, we're yeah it's just like i don't know there's only so many teams and at, at a certain point uh it can you know probably be unhealthy but then again and i would i would throw mls into this mix because pretty much every team is owned by you know, uh, some sort of like, you know, holdings or MLM, <laughs> you know, scheme or yeah. whatever. Uh, but, you know, every owner is sort of like a singular owner. Yes, you have supporter groups that, you know, um, essentially can have contact with the board, but don't have any major influence unless a uh, certain supporter group is singled out as as you know being sort of like deigned worthy <laughs> by the board as being sort of like an official group which you know sort of getting into DC United history here was a problem where Tom Hunt who was kind of like this president of business development and whatnot um you know sort of said okay screaming eagles we like you you're very much the family friendly uh you know kind of image that we want to have for this club. You have an atmosphere that we want to take into Audi field. And so they sort of focused all their attention on screaming Eagles, as far as like ticket um, priority and, you know, other sort of perks along with that. Uh, they were sort of given that. And then you had Barra Brava, Lenorta and uh, district ultras uh, sort of being like, whoa 
guys what and and you know it's what about us yeah and that it was very much like a what about us but it it really became like uh, the fervor around that was wild you would have barra brought so before dc united went to audi field they had sort of like a purgatory phase where they were either playing in like annapolis germantown or loudon county and at like kind of like these small fields so you'd have Barra Brava essentially following the Screaming Eagles around and just heckling the hell out of them at every <laughs> single game. It you it's funny, like haha, but like that is so toxic with you know in terms of like very toxic supporter culture and like having the fans engaged with it. Um, you know it it's it's a lot of faults kind of like thrown you. Almost everyone, you know, doesn't look great coming out of it. I mean, particularly DC United. I mean, Tom Hunt was eventually, you know, either fired or he resigned um, a season or two later. But the damage was done. And it's sort of, you, you see it still. Like, the people... I was going to say, it hasn't recovered. No, it really hasn't. I mean, so they've done well with sort of allowing new supporter groups to sort of pop up uh, 202 unique uh chico stand uh those types uh labandia those those groups like they've kind of come up and they've started sort of becoming prominent um but those those old guard barra brava folks uh are are absolutely they still hold that animosity and it's it's been kind of like a, a rough deal um so yeah that's what you so i guess returning to my main point is like in mls where you have 100 percent like corporate ownership um you know you do have like a weird sense of parody but that's because you do have the um the the salary caps and roster uh restrictions and whatnot Right. Um, so you do get a sense of parody with that, but as soon as like they would let that go, you would easily see cream rise to the top and stay up there, uh, season after season. So, you know, it would, it would definitely be your New York Red Bulls, uh, Portland Timbers, uh, Seattle Sounders, L- uh, LAFC. It'd be a lot of West coast teams as well. That would just be, that would absolutely stomp, uh, the the east coast teams i think you're completely right and with you know looking at the mls and looking at rb leipzig you know we have to go and look into one of the oldest clubs that everyone i feel like everyone knows we have to talk about barcelona yeah so yeah so this is yeah we're 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 shifting over to spain now and this is very much a, a members owned club. So yeah, if you want to get into that. Yeah, of course. So Barcelona, as Daniel mentioned, a members owned club with over 144,000 members and they encourage their fans to become members. This means that Barcelona is not owned outright by a single individual and decisions regarding the future direction of the club are made by the members, the club motto. And my roommate is going to kill me if I botch this. Mesque un club, which is more than a club, is central to the idea of being members-led, applying a democratic approach to an institution that is synonymous with Catalan pride. Now, the chief perk 
of Barcelona membership is the ability to vote in the club elections and have a say on who becomes the president of the vaunted institution. In order to vote in Barcelona's presidential elections, members must be at least 18 years of age, and they must have been a member for at least one year. Voting as a member can only be done in person, so a member must be present at Camp Now when elections are held in order to cast their ballot. Barcelona members receive free and unlimited access to Barca TV, the club's official media channel, and correspondence in the form of newsletter El Butlete. In addition, only fully paid-up members are entitled to apply for season tickets, but the demand means that there is often time spent on the waiting list. And man, that waiting list has to be just years. Oh, you're not trying to get into the pool. Like, but, you're not trying to get into the neighborhood <laughs> pool. No way. You're trying to become a member of one of the biggest yeah. teams in the world. And, well, you know, so, yeah, talk about another team uh, that is incredibly dominant, uh, despite, you know, being member-owned. But I would also argue it's the fact that, you know, Barcelona is a massive, massive city. So what is it? Probably. Oh, I've been there. It's beautiful. Eight to 10 million. Is that like a accurate? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I, I've been I've been playing Pandemic, the board game. So I, I've been learning, learning some uh, population <laughs> figures here. But I've always wanted sidebar. I've always wanted to play that game and I never get enough people to play that. With Dude, me. it's so fun. It, it, man, it's great. But um. On on the other end, uh, you know, again, you know, very different spectrum here and kind of a different setup because this is not a majority fan owned team. But Luton Town does have what's called a supporters t- uh, trust. So Luton Town, who we talked about in a recent episode, is not fan owned, but supporters do have a strong voice when it comes to the identity of the club in the form of a supporters trust. Trust in Luton owns shares in the club and elects a representative to the club's board. The club's official supporters group, Luton Town Supporters Club, merged with Trust in Luton in 2014. The club was associated with uh, another supporters group, the Breakaway Loyal Luton Supporters Club. Trust in Loon has since uh, March 2014 held the legal right to veto any changes to the club's identity, including name, nickname, colors, club crest, and mascot. So in a way, like they don't have, you know, sort of oversight when it comes to uh, decisions that the team make when, you know, it comes to who's on the board, uh, how financial decisions are made and whatnot, but there, there is a strong cooperation, and for the most part, like fans can, you know, if if anyone tries to sort of change the culture around Luton, like there's got to be that that sort of hand in hand work with the fans. And as as far as the Hatters go, uh, it, they're they're a longtime club uh, in in their club, you know, sort of what we talked about last week. Uh, they have been up and down the table in, in so many ways. So like, there's there's just a lot of pride, you know, with how the team is now that that they want to sort of keep that intact. And yeah, I I respect that a lot. 
Right. And like we talked about in our last episode, this was a kind of fan ownership that really became important when this team went into administration back in 2014. So it's so interesting that this, rather than becoming a a choice that, you know, we're going to make this fan owned, we want to have the fans have a voice, it became an action of necessity because the club was in administration, they were in heavy debt, and they required injection from the general public to come and look after the club. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they haven't looked back since and look at them now. I I mean, I love it. But let's go into the biggest fan-owned clubs in the world. So, yeah, if you want to take so, this over, for sure. Yeah, of course. So there's a smattering of clubs across the world that are fan-owned and are experiencing varying levels of success. Probably one of the biggest stories is AFC Wimbledon, if you've heard of them. I believe they're in the third tier, mm-hmm. maybe fourth tier at this point, of English football. Uh, which formed when the former Wimbledon FC was moved to Milton Keynes to become MK Dons. The club was introduced to the ninth level of football in England and have rose to League One. Their debut season saw them face off against MK Dons and seal the win to nothing. Yeah, that's that's just a great story because, yeah, that's, it. you know, in the case of like having having an eccentric owner essentially just uproot the entire club and say, okay, yeah, I want this in Milton Keynes now. And I mean, yeah, the the sort of betrayal that people felt. And I mean, you see this all the time here in the United States. Or not all the time. It's it's a fairly rare occurrence. But like when it happens, it it it's kind of a bummer because you have franchises that just like up and leave. So like you have disintegrate, you know, in NHL, you have the Dallas North Stars. Which there's no North Star. It's because they were a Minnesota team <laughs> that moved down to Dallas. <laughs> um, you have, uh, you know, sort of like the the Baltimore Co- Colts when they moved to Indianapolis. Uh, obviously, like the um, oh gosh, uh, you, you just I, I'm blanking because like there's actually like a lot of the, I mean the Lakers. That was also another Minnesota team. That went from Minnesota to uh, Los Angeles, and because yeah, yeah, the, I believe they were like the the Lakers was because they were for the Great Lakes yes. in Michigan. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's kind of uh, it, it's just wild. So you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, so like that was something, that, and you don't see that really when it comes to European football, like these clubs have been in their area, you know, for the most part, like for, for a hundred years or more. So, um, you know, in, in terms of like movement, sometimes, you know, early on clubs moved from one part of town to the other where, you know, famously with Arsenal, they were, uh, in kind of like South Eastern kind of along the Thames. And then they moved to North London and, uh, you know, kind of pipped, uh, 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 Tottenham Hotspur that time but yeah it's not something you see a lot now and when that happened like there was a huge blowback to it uh, but uh, yeah if you want to continue on yeah of course so we also have Atletico Bilbao which shout out to my friend Forrest is a supporter of and Atletico Bilbao is one of four clubs in Spain that are fan owned these of course the remaining three clubs would be Barca as we noted before Real Madrid 
and Sia Osasuna. They have been relegated from the top flight, and they are also known for developing talent from inside the Basque region and will only sign players with local roots. Now, this is funny. I remember when they signed uh, they signed Inaki Williams to a like a 12 year deal mm-hmm. uh, when he was 22 because he was he grew up in the Basque region. And it was basically like, you have a contract for life. You're good. We're going to pay you for. That's so. I mean, ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a baseball contract. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's just it's just wild. The fact that, yeah, they like they pretty much have that region locked down. And, you know, you'd think that would be that wouldn't work in today's game where, you know, you have players come from all over the world and obviously like Spain. Well, aside from last week or, or you know, sort of with recent events, you know, is is sort of like a hotbed for people coming from all over the place, uh, you know, but obviously with the Vinicius Jr. Uh, situation, um, I, th- I think there are some some aspects of Spain that are, are uh, sort of rearing uh, their head now. But, uh, you know, it's it's wild that they've had so much success or, you know, they've been able to thrive. Uh, in La Liga, having just that specific pool of players. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. And so going on, back in 1993 in Brazil, their government passed a law allowing private ownership for their football teams. However, a few of those teams have rejected that change and remain largely fan-owned. These teams include Santos, Flamengo, Palmeiras, and Sao Paulo. Sao has been tremendously successful with six league titles and three Copa Libertadores wins. So, yeah, no, I that was something that stuck out to me. Like, I was like, I, I like that I a lot. I didn't know that with Brazil. So, and actually, like, you know, uh, to be honest, like, there's actually, like, more, actually a lot more teams than those four uh, who remain fan-owned, but they are definitely sort of, like, on kind of like that smaller end or, you know, sort of like in the lower leagues in Brazil. Uh, but for, for the most part, like, yeah, I, you know, man, obviously like when you talk about Brazil and you talk about uh, the culture down there, like, yeah, the, the fact that like fans take it very, very seriously. Um, so yeah. Um, and just to kind of go about that, like there's, there's some other tidbits. So I included a pretty comprehensive list of fan owned clubs around the world uh in the show notes it's a huge list uh it actually it actually includes all sort of like professional or semi-pro uh leagues um but it's a huge list and here are some interesting bits so all association football clubs in argentina are owned by their members every club is organized as a not-for-profit organization uh according to argentinian law uh, there are a few exceptions like uh, Crucero do Norte, which was founded by the bus company's owners in 1989. It was actually like, That's cool. uh, yeah, and, and it was encouraged uh, by the employees of that company. And they owned an indoor uh, football team. And I think, it, you know, I, I'm not sure as far as like maybe it's like a grandfather clause or something like that where you know they were sort of allowed in but um yeah like uh, otherwise pretty much all clubs are fan owned um english football has a concept known as a phoenix club 
The term Phoenix Club is used in professional team sports to refer to a new entity that is set up to replace that club that has failed in business terms, but not in sporting terms, and generally involves the continuation of the sporting activity. So essentially, like, team gets liquidated, and the town is like, well, we still want a club, and then they they uh, create their own club. There's also protest clubs. Uh, that's also an interesting little thing there. Um, but also kind of the last little bit here, uh, Brentford FC used to be supporter owned bees United, uh, the Brentford FC supporters trust used to own 60.3% of the shares of Brentford FC, uh, Matthew Benham himself, a fan owned 30.7% of the shares and the other supporters owned 9% of the shares of Brentford FC. The supporters trust eventually sold their entire shareholding to Matthew Benham and also acquired all uh, minority shareholding to own 100% of the shares. So, wow. uh, you know, I did not know that. And obviously like Brentford no coming up in, into the premier league last season and have uh, stayed fairly strong up in it. Uh, yeah. Used to be supporter owned, but now as a singular owner. Um, so, you know, I, I thought that was interesting because it shows, like, at least they, they you know, sort of uh, had a rise, but then, you know, eventually, you know, they had a, a, you know, singular owner. So now that, you know, but good for them. And that's kind of like a cool story. But again, guide in the show notes. There's a huge list of stuff and you can kind of go in there and and take a look at all the teams that have some sort of, like, supporters ownership. And so, yeah, that is essentially what kind of started as the 50 plus one rule kind of turned into a show about like, you know, uh, fan ownership, you know, in in varying degrees and how that is sort of how that happens within uh, the football world. So I I kind of enjoyed diving into that. Uh, What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think it's so interesting. I would I mean, I'm I'm flirting with the idea of what that would be like if it was there in all leagues um especially when you look at you know the mass the mass fan uh support for teams obviously man united arsenal chelsea maybe chelsea liverpool especially um it'd be interesting to see what kind of impact that would have on teams in the league that is so controlled by you know heavy investors but of course, what we need to go into next is our news stories. And Daniel, I see that you have some news about the United States men's national team. Yeah, so it is looking like Anthony Hudson is going to remain uh, the the manager of the U.S. national team uh, through the summer, at least until August uh, at the end, um, you know, or, or sort of past the Gold Cup competition. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's Nations League, Gold Cup, and uh, he's he's got a tall order. Ordered kind of you know, it's it's very much. I think if he wins the Gold Cup, I think he stays as the uh, right. manager. Um, because I mean, yeah, when when it comes to the uh, with with Balogun, um, you know, sort of committing to the United States, like that's super rad and. I think if if there are more players, you know, being uh, sort of lured over to the States, uh, I think that's fantastic. And I think especially having that 
England connection uh, helps a lot. So if we can steal some of those young guns uh, that the three lions have uh, in some way, if there's any more that we can get, I think that's great. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, you know. I think like, yeah, U.S. soccer is becoming uh, more and more attractive, you know, since that disastrous 2018. Uh, I think the team focused in like you know then going on to win the gold cup and then nations league and uh you know getting round of 16 um in the 2022 world cup it's looking really good it's look looking rosy uh can't wait for 2026 uh but yeah i think i think the next yeah three and a half years or so are going to be critical for this team and i think we got to have a manager who who keeps a cool head. Uh, I think the fact that he doesn't have that type of connection that um, Greg Burhalter had. Uh, I You know, that drama right. just kind of happened because there's been so much. I don't know. Uh, the the word the words escaping me, but like it's been so insular with U.S. Yeah. soccer and like yeah you've got i former, feel like there's been more drama yeah, so you got former national uh team players essentially taking high-ranking uh positions within u.s soccer and so you've got like just like a lot of decisions that are emotionally charged and then those decisions create emotional decisions after that and then it got really really ugly like a story that should have remained a private thing became semi worldwide news and that's right. wild during the world cup during, yeah during the world cup so it's it, it, you know i think having more outsider you know the more people who weren't uh groomed within the system uh that are kept out like i think the better for us soccer so right. yeah that's that's sort of what i think about that i think it's great that he's staying on and uh super happy about that uh if you want to take on the next right. story then yeah yeah so going on into the women's wsl the title will be decided on the last day um it's most likely going to be chelsea that will be lifting the trophy once again mm-hmm. as they are playing reading who are the worst team in the league by far but Man United are nipping at the heels only two points down. It will take a miracle, but it would be amazing to see. But I think it's likely we'll see Chelsea win the title. But more interestingly, the player of the season, Rachel Daly, who, of course, used to play for the Houston Dash here in America. She is now playing for Aston Villa and has been named the player of the season which in 21 appearances she has 21 goals that's which is honestly insane yeah that's fantastic um yeah who the hell is holland (laughs) (laughs) um no yeah after i heard about rachel daly but not this holland kid well and, and what's wild is that um so she was a left back at Euro 2022. Yeah. And now she's converted to a center forward. And like she just racked up goals. So uh, 
I'm I'm so interested what that means for the summer because she's obviously going to be on the team for England in this summer's World Cup, but like they're gonna play her at left back. I don't know if you could play. I, the, I think she, the top score best player at left back. As, as far as this goal article is concerned, you know, or what they're saying is that if she keeps that form up, like she could be the number nine. Uh, and so yeah. I can see it. I, I yeah, the, where you get a goal a game, that's that's talisman material there. And so if if they if they squander that by converting her back to her old position, like that would be insane. So yeah, uh, good good stuff from Rachel Daly and and good yeah, stuff for, love from it. from uh, the villains. So and of course, um, we'll go over as we talked about a little bit earlier Dortmund is one win away from catching the Bundesliga the first time that Bayern Munich has not won in a decade yeah and basically they can't tie they got to win um because Bayern is going to Bayern so Dortmund has got to win this game and they will be the new champions of Bundesliga and and when when is that Oh, I believe it's tomorrow. Okay. Um, sorry, we're recording on Friday. So by the time this comes out, yeah. it may have already happened. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, let's just say congratulations to Dortmund yeah. because I'm a believer. Um, but, you know, outside of that, congratulations to Manchester United. Getting a big 4-1 win over Chelsea and pretty much... Uh, that win felt so good. <laughs> Well, any I hate Chelsea so much. Same, dude. So anytime Chelsea just gets absolutely dunked on, I love it, regardless of who the team is. And so, yeah, uh, that means you're you're solid for Champions League football. How how does that feel? I mean, it feels amazing. I think we can all be happy. You know, Arsenal, Man United, and Newcastle are all returning to the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, none of them, of course, were in the Champions League last season. This is sort of going back to the old 2000s days when these guys were regulars and Man City, like, I don't even know where they were, but they weren't up there. Um, So we're just going to ignore them. (laughs) But it's nice to see some some of the old guard getting back in. And my personal favorite, Liverpool has been doomed for Kazakhstan and the Europa League. Uh, Mo Salah put out a post that was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life yep. where he basically said Champions League is the bare minimum. <laughs> Which honestly, and yeah, I, I, for the past like five or six seasons, like that's been the case. Yeah. So I think I quote tweeted it and I said, this is the greatest thing I've ever read in my life. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't really touch, uh, you know, Arsenal's 19 years in a row, but you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, exactly. A team can dream, exactly. I suppose. <laughs> a team can dream. Is <laughs> <laughs> ah, that just? Oh man, we like we were so spoiled by that. Like that, you know. And I guess to a degree, like you know, yeah, you become jaded. Like yeah, well, Champions League, yeah, that's that's almost a given every single year. And then when it's not, <laughs> of course, we're gonna be top four. And then when it goes, like it it go, it's been so long. Like nobody makes the you know Arsenal finishing fourth uh, joke anymore. Like you never hear that because that was such the oh, thing. Yeah. 
And I used to do that joke all the exactly, time. and it's gone because like Arsenal has been MIA. The arson, the arson Wenger trophy. Yeah, <laughs> that was my favorite joke. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that was that was. I, yeah, that's completely. That's that's left the banter altogether. Yeah, it's gone. I mean. <sighs> Look at us. Look at us. Yeah. Who would have thought? <laughs> but yeah. Look at so, us. So so just just a little bit of our our selfish uh, team coverage there. But yeah, apologies. We also want to uh, touch on a story that that we kind of briefly touched on last week, but now more details yeah. have come out uh, about the Ivan Tony drama. Oh my God! I mean, this guy. I don't know. I don't know whether to feel sorry for him or just to point at him and be like, you idiot. This man, Ivan Tony, he did around 200 something bets. Mm -hmm. Um, He has admitted that he has a gambling addiction, but some of these bets include on betting on Brentford, his team to lose matches while he was on loan. He would also bet on games that he was playing in for himself to score. And he would also bet for put bets down on Brentford to win while he was playing for the team. Now, Ah. the only reason I mean, the only reason that he was he was supposed to get a 15 month ban, but because he decided to admit that he has a gambling addiction and is going to classes for it, his ban is reduced to eight months. Uh, Is it fair? Is it not fair? I'm, I'm not sure. Um. Look, I look if if someone I don't know, that's so serious. And like, um, you know, if if he is if he was I I, I would have to know whether or not like uh, if, if he like taking these classes um, because he got caught or if it's something that like he came to a realization he's agreed to. Yeah. Like, has he or was that like a club mandated thing? Right. I mean, I think I would have been more shocked if, if he was betting on games that were like, this is where it would be match fixing, where he was betting like Ivan Tony to not score. Yeah. You know, like, like that he's just like not trying in, in a way. Yeah. Like there's there's a complete influence. And like the fact that like, yeah, if he like bet on himself to score, that's him. You know, he would make every selfish play you could. And yeah, exactly. Like, that's just awful. Um, so I don't know if if he is uh, working to you know make himself better. Look, I can I can get behind that. Um, yeah, I can commend that. You know, yeah, I, it's out there. You know what? You know what? I hope What's that. I hope that Man United sign a striker this season, uh, a legit striker. But I also hope we sign Ivan Tony. Because coming in January, that's when the games are thick and fast. And he'll be fresh off his ban. And he will be he'll be fresh. And we'll probably get him for the cheap. He would be a great sign to come in and be like, oh, like, you know, we got injuries, we got guys that are tired. Well, Ivan Tony hasn't played eight months. Yeah. <laughs> I Wow, that is um that's a bonkers idea. And yeah. I don't know. I I like where your head's at, but I mean, what are you going to do if you sign Neymar? 
Please, I uh, don't even put that in my head right now. I'll throw myself off my building. I I don't I don't want him. I don't. Oh. It's just like we've had it. We've had the big stars. Blah blah blah. And the worst part about it is Ted Hogg is apparently really in on it. That's awesome. But I'm like. I'm like, what? What does that mean? Does that mean Rashford's playing strike? Because Neymar plays on the yeah. left. Rashford plays on the left. Rashford is our best player. So yeah, um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long summer. I've, I I got too much going on. It's gonna be a long summer. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But lastly, and boy, we we've um, yeah, this has been a good episode right now, but. Uh, I think just to kind of get into wrapping things up, I think we'll touch briefly a little bit, but um, who would be your Premier League manager of the season? Right. So I know we chatted a little bit earlier about this. I have two. I'm, I'm not counting. Oh, granted, everyone's like, well, it's Pep. It's got to be Pep. <laughs> yes, I, I, he is the obvious choice, but I think with... You know, if if he ends up only winning the league or not getting the trouble, then I feel like it's not, you know, manager of the season worthy just because of the standard that he has set for five out of the last six years. I would put there are three managers I would put and I'm not going to put Ten Hag up there unless we win the FA Cup. I'm going to put Arteta mainly because of what he's done with that club. I'm going to put Eddie Howe, um, bring a team that was on the verge of relegation to now being in the Champions League. And, of course, my dark horse has to be Unai Emery, yeah. who took a took over a club that was 15th and is now likely playing in European competition next year. So, yeah, I, I mean, uh, aside from Unai Emery, I mean, I think my or, you know, uh, I don't really have a dark horse, but, you know, for for me, I think mine is exactly like yours. I would say Eddie Howe and Arteta. Uh, but I think I think Eddie edges him out because of the fact that, like, Newcastle was they were perennial mid level team like they were, uh, you know, ninth or lower for for the majority of the past, like decade six or seven years something like that um yeah so yeah you know the fact that like he took them i think they they were 11th last season and now they are in that champions league spot uh that is commendable um i would also throw uh brighton hove albion um uh manager roberto zerbi in there as well because that's another team that uh was very mid for a long time and now they are up in that less coveted but still still important uh they have the best recruiting team in the world they really do so i it's crazy i think like sky's the limit for them or or at least manchester (laughs) manchester city is the limit for them (laughs) yeah exactly um, (laughs) no they're they're building a a good strong program over there i i mean you know, Brighton, I think like they were they were fairly uh, there for for a period in kind of like the late aughts. And then I think they were relegated uh, for for a spell and then they've come back and now they are, you know, they are looking very strong. So, yeah, I would say those those three 
get my props. I would say, yeah, uh, Deserby would be my dark horse. I like that. Yeah, I I would say he deserves it for sure. Um, he just what he's done and the way they play it's very similar to Manchester City, um, with that sort of high press attitude. I'm I'm a big fan of Deserby. I thought he did really well at Shakhtar. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget the game they had against Real Madrid where they just blitzed them. Yeah. And yeah, I'm a big fan of him. I'm looking forward to to watching him more next season. More good things to come. But yeah, I think that does it. Uh, we I've had such a good time with you today uh, going over the 50 plus one rule. Um what are we looking for in our next? Where do we want to go? Do we want to do a Premier League wrap up? Is that what we're sort of looking at for the next episode? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think Premier League wrap up. Um, I think at one point, I think we're going to have one more episode and then sort of have a bit of a halftime break, yeah. a little a little summer vacay, guys, um, probably for two weeks. But I think a Premier League wrap up would be perfect and, you know, maybe throw in some tidbits of sort of what stood out to us this season, what's happening this summer. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, of course, later in the summer, we'll have a good shout at transfers. Oh, my favorite time of the it's year. Transfers and international competitions, <laughs> Women's World Cup. Obviously, like that's going to be a, a big lot. one. So we're we're excited to sort of dive into it. But Tom, where can the good folks find you on social media? Yeah, of course, on social media, guys, you can find me on Instagram at T.I. Ferguson 94. And of course, on Twitter at Snitch McConnell. Daniel, please take us away where the good folks can find you. So, yeah, find The Artful Nutmeg on Instagram and Twitter. Just search it up, The Artful Nutmeg. You can find me on Instagram at Professor SDFC and on Twitter at Daniel605Wise. A thank you to all who listen to our show and support us. Remember to be well and watch more soccer. Soccer.